Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the first episode of Equal Play. I'm super thankful my right-hand lady and badass colleague at the Sun-Times could come on to discuss some headlines with me. Master of all trades, because we don't use the word jack of all trades yes. because that in fact means you're not really good at anything whereas a master a master really means you're, you're good at everything and that um totally represents what madeline Ken- kenny does and is for the sun time so maddie thank you so much for coming on you're so sweet <laughs> <laughs> i mean truly though like everything that you do everything you represent you are a master of all trades. So I'm super thrilled you could come on with me today. And first things first, we have to talk about um, the Lakers, LeBron, and also Sue Bird and the Storm. Um, both just won championships. The Lakers won their 17th title. Uh, LeBron won his fourth. The Storm won their fourth title. Sue Bird won her fourth title. Um, a lot of exciting stuff. And Sue and LeBron are both kind of mirroring each other right now in their careers 17th year for both of them and they both just won their fourth title so super cool stuff right now totally and I also feel like you're just talking about the two goats in their respective leagues you know winning a title in in such an unprecedented fashion both doing it in the bubble um where injuries were a factor and the the emotional and mental toll that they had to go through just to complete these you know these these seasons I mean the NBA was in the bubble for what like 90 plus days that's that's absurd I mean the the mental toll like you said in itself is just so insane and um you know speaking of these two and just like mirroring each other's careers I think it's so unreal and and just really incredible to see the way that uh LeBron and Sue both support each other in their mission to reach this you know superb level of excellence and you know when sue won her title and then when lebron won his it was just um this acknowledgement of greatness like you said and you know i think that brings up this next conversation and that so many people like jump to criticize and hate on lebron and i'm not saying you can't but it just is interesting to me because I understand where all the love comes from because this man is not only excellent on the court, but off the court as well. But where, like, where does this hate come from? Like, where do you think it comes from? You know what I find so funny is that the LeBron, the love, Team LeBron, Team Anti-LeBron, that is like equivalent to politics nowadays. Right. It's like, it could ruin a dinner, a family dinner, if you bring it up and one sibling feels the other way or whatever. Like, And I think a lot of the hate just comes from some of like LeBron James manner. Like he's just such a, even though he's such a good guy, he's never had any kind of scandals. Like 
He's right. Kind of, his story is so inspiring. And he does I mean, so the biggest, the biggest scandal he had was going to Miami and the way that the decision happened. Yeah. I mean, the, like, no women getting in and out of the hotel room or like no scandals like that. And right. Married sweetheart. So like you think about all these things and you're like, how could you hate this guy? But you just do. And right. I think just like, he's so good at what he does. It, you just like, you have to hate him if he's not on your team. Think about right. it. Like, Cavs fans hated LeBron when he left and then he comes back and it's like oh he's back on our team so he's great again you know and I know right. there was a little bit of like fixing the relationship but he's just such a lovable hateable guy if that right makes sense. right and, and bring in like the Jordan conversation and uh -huh. you bring in, like all these different arguments but I don't know I I have mixed feelings on LeBron like I love everything he does like on and off the court but there are some things that just I can't explain it like I yeah don't he he definitely irks a lot of people and I also think this um final series too ignited a lot of um opinions from Chicagoans just because of the Chicago tie with Jimmy Butler you had a lot of people cheering for Miami who you know are from Chicago or are Chicago fans just because of that history and everything and also the Chicago kids Kendrick Nunn who plays for the Heat but then also you had Chicago guys on the Lakers so it was really an interesting series but I've always just like that that intense hatred for this man it's always just really I, I mean these conversations I've always just been so interested in because like you said it, it just it comes from such a like unfounded place, more of an opinion-based place, which again, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But when you actually like break down what he's doing both on and off the court, it's really hard to find a legitimate reason to hate this man. And like we started this conversation, greatness recognizes greatness. And we saw that with Sue and LeBron. And it's really cool to see, again, the way their careers are mirroring each other. But um, in major news this week in Chicago, the hashtag Parting Ways movement. Yes. <laughs> Listen, this is going to be my new phrase for every breakup. We have to part ways. <laughs> it, it, I hate, I hate this phrase. So for those that like haven't been on Twitter or anything, basically the White Sox part ways with Rick Renteria right. and Cooper, their longtime dinosaur pitching coach. Dinosaur. Bulls, <laughs> the Bulls parted ways with like all of their assistant coaches basically mm -hmm. and and the biggest thing is like and then people were like I parted ways with my diet and stuff like <laughs> that and it, it happened just so close like every time a coach gets fired the PR team always the media release always says like parted ways it's the nice way of putting it out there it's it's like it's not you it's us we're just not right. working out anymore like right. And it's like, we're just trying to let him down softly, but like, nah, he was fired. And, and I, I hate to be like abrupt and like it come off as like rude whenever somebody, obviously you never want anyone to get fired. But for the White Sox with Rick Renteria, like you can feel bad for Rick Renteria. Like he's such a likable guy. Yeah. Like, everyone loves him, but you can also be excited for the future because I think it was kind of written in the walls, so to speak, like if it wasn't after this season, it would have been probably after last season, depending on what happened. Right. You know, he made some questionable bullpen decisions in the last game. And unfortunately, this is a great sign that the White Sox are serious about winning moving forward. Right. And we saw Dallas Keuchel tweeted big things ahead. So it sounds like the kids are okay with this breakup, with this mm -hmm. um, um, 
divorce. What if they said that and said, the White Sox have divorced Rick Renteria? I mean, my whole thing is like, as a journalist, as a person in the media, I get what the PR team is doing. And I mean, they're doing, I guess they're doing their job well by putting out this, like you said, like fluffy way of saying, yeah, he was fired. But I don't really understand what the, what would be so bad about just being straight up. Like here, here's, here's why, here's what happened. And I think obviously, I mean, we know this is just how the media relations teams handle things. And then you have your beat writers like Daryl, shout out Daryl, who go in and then like write the actual story. So, um, but it just, it's interesting. And it was interesting, especially to see it back to back with the White Sox. And then, like you said, a whole slew of assistants, which let's talk about that for a second, because I think the assistant, the, the refreshing of the assistant coaches with the bulls, it, it makes sense. And it's, I think kind of exciting for fans to see happen because the bulls for so long have not made changes. And so now to see them, you know, totally cleaning house, I think could be exciting or perceived as exciting for fans. But we also saw a lot of great assistant coaches lose their job, which, like you said earlier, is not something you want to celebrate by any means. And Karen Stack Omloff, is that how, how do you say her last name? I always mess it up. Yeah. yeah. So you wrote a story about her in the last year. And, you know, as women in this business, you especially don't want to see one of the few women representing lose her position. So I wonder just what your thoughts are on yeah, a, a woman, and when there are so few women, you know, do we expect the Bulls yeah, to bring in a new, like, another woman to fill this position? Like, how, what's, how, how do we tackle this? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point to bring up. Obviously, Karen was the first Bulls assist, female Bulls assistant coach, and she had been with the organization since, like, the 80s, I think, if I remember uh -huh. correctly. And she was so close to, like, Jerry Krause. Like, she was so important to the Bulls during their championship runs in the 90s. And she's just always been such a big part of that team. And so what I hope is that they're not getting rid of her for good. Because she started in marketing, if I remember correctly, or in the mm. front office operations. So if, it would be really nice for them to be able to, like, keep her and put her in a role where she can still continue to do stuff like that and be a part of the organization. But when it comes to, like, hiring another female I mean, I think it's really important. You need to have a diverse staff. You need to have representation in your staff. And, but you also need to hire the best candidate that's right. available, that's you know? 100%. And, and so when it, when it comes to like, oh, if you fire a woman, should you hire a woman? I think it's kind of like a gray area because you, but you, when I say that, you should be at least interviewing women and, and people of color and you should be aiming to have a diverse staff while you're looking at, who's the best candidate available. Yeah, there has to be the goal to always um, interview and make the best attempt to, like you said, diversify your staff. And, you know, just talking about the whole firing of a woman, hiring of a woman. Well, if, if we aren't encouraging more young women to aspire to these roles, it, it, we're not gonna have the best candidate be a woman and be prepared for this role if, if again, we're not encouraging women to pursue these roles. And so for that reason, I do think it's really important to continue to fill these roles. And, and you know, the loss of Karen is significant because you're not just losing Karen in this role. You're also now, 
not that that lack of inspiration for some young Chicago girls is is missing too. So I think um, it's obviously deeper. It always is. And I agree with you 100%. It, it should be always the best candidate. But in order for the best candidate to be a woman, we have to keep, you know, inspiring. We have to keep pipelines open too right. to make sure that they are in a position. Because so often what we see, even in like the sports media industry, where a lot of the job is about relationships and who you know. Right. And, you know, it's easy to give somebody that, looks like you or you see yourself in a position because you like see the potential because they like look like you or have similar mannerisms to you or whatever right and and I think this brings up a potentially like a good opportunity with the WNBA and the NBA where maybe you have WNBA players in these like lower assistant roles WNBA players that are interested in coaching you know in the future we see that it with you know the mystics um but having these opportunities for them during their off season said, instead of going overseas, maybe you can, you know, become like a film review scout or something, you know, like something right. that gets you in the door, helps you learn from all these different people and then potentially become like a full-time assistant coach. If that's something you want to do. 100%. And I think the point too should be, you don't have to be a woman and aspire to only work coach in the WNBA or the NWSL or whatever the women's league is. You can be a woman and aspire to coach, to manage, to do all of these things in a, in a man's league. Um, the best, you should always aspire to the best opportunity or, or a career path that you're most passionate about. And that shouldn't be singled out to the league that is representative of, of who I, you know, it, it should, no, I totally understand. We yeah. see that like sports media where, you know, they think that female reporters should cover, cover female, female sports. And, and it's just, yeah, it's just like a interesting topic. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, transitioning into our next topics of conversation, you and I are both covering the female leagues here in Chicago, yeah. uh, Chicago Sky for you, Chicago Red Stars for me. So I know um, each week we are always bringing in a new, uh, a new story, a new uh, inside scoop into both of these teams. So what do you got coming out um, on Saturday this week for the Chicago Sky? Yeah, so I mean, last last offseason, if you followed the team, you knew that Wade had a lot of work to do. Seven of his players were on expiring deals and trying to retain those while staying within the salary cap was proven to be difficult. Um, with this year, it's a kind of a different story. You have Cheyenne Parker, who is a power forward, who's really, you know, become a rising star in the league. She had a she's coming off a career best season mm -hmm. um, and then established herself as a starter. And you have Sydney Colson, who is the backup point guard who, has, by the way, is hilarious on social media. I cannot. Sydney, like, shout out. You are so good. Her, like, impersonation of Gabby, I, like, died. Bad. She's so funny. Like, so funny. Anything, teams should sign her. I mean, she's a great player, and she's a great defender, but also, like, players should sign her just to have that, like, marketing tool and right. the, like, vibes that she radiates. Right. You know, like, she just, you can tell, she like just gets people amped up. And like, multi-dimensional, multi-dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my story this week is about Cheyenne Parker in particular, just because she is coming off such a great season and, you know, she wants to come back to the sky. Everyone that, I feel like 
Parker Cheyenne Parker's story is like well known at this point about like how she had a troubled childhood and she got kicked out of college because she tested positive for a drug test to like just two months out of the WNBA draft right and I were the only team that brought her in for an interview and had an honest conversation with her like can we trust you are you focused and committed to playing basketball are there other things that like you know whatever and she really feels loyal to the sky for giving her that opportunity that a lot of teams weren't willing to do like she wasn't even at the WNBA draft right and the top, you know, players always get invited. Mm-hmm. And she was dropping fifth and she watched it from home. She was totally in disbelief when it happened. So she's a really good story and a player that you want to keep on your radar going forward. But what are you working on with the Red Stars? Um, this week, actually, uh, it's not news. It came out last week, but um, six Red Stars were selected uh, to, were invited to the U.S. Women's National Team Camp that's taking place October 18th. Uh, 10 days they're going to spend in Colorado. And it's the first time the U.S. Women's National Team is coming back together in seven months. Oh, wow. uh, since Right. Since the She Believes Cup, which was in March, I believe. Um, so it's significant for that reason, but also the six red stars, that's super significant. And it's really cool because Sarah Gordon and Kalia Watt were both invited. And Kalia, when she joined the red stars, stated like my goal is to get back in rotation with the U.S. Women's National Team and Sarah obviously has has really changed her game in the last two years mentally and physically so this acknowledgement from obviously the highest the highest level is huge for both of them and really exciting to see just because um you know they have been working really hard and it's just kind of a recognition of yeah, the, the fact that their game has changed and, and is deserving of, of this opportunity. And Sarah's actually my guest on this week's episode. Mm-hmm. So we get into all of that, everything about the U.S. Women's National Team and also her new campaign, or not campaign, but her new organization, Hood Space. So please stay on, listen to my conversation with Sarah and uh, we get into all that good stuff. And that is actually coming up right now. First things first, the fall series uh, finally wrapped. I mean, it was only four games, but um, still a significant workload for you guys to come back to. So uh, what was the biggest takeaway, do you think, from just this four-game series and everything that went into making that possible as well? Um, Yeah, obviously, after the Challenge Cup, I actually wasn't even sure if the fall series was going to happen. So it was unclear, you know, if, if we were done for the year or not. Um, obviously, with COVID, everything has just been last minute insane. But um, I'm glad. I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad it worked out once again for our league. Um, it was great to just get some, some friendly matches in, especially, you know, um, getting to have the rookies have some runouts and getting to play with them and build those connections. Obviously, you know, we talked about all of Utah, how, our team is much different, you know, looked much different roster wise. And so a lot of it is about building chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like one of those important connections was building chemistry with Kaylea. Obviously we had her at the nine in the fall series and as a center back, you know, you, you do want to um, play directly to your nine uh, if possible. So, so kind of getting to know her runs in that position, um, still learning them, still figuring that out, but it's definitely an important relationship. 
Yeah, I feel like fans and just soccer fans in general got to see what Kaylee was capable of um, in the fall series. I mean, obviously she showed herself in the Challenge Cup as well, but in the fall series, I think people really got to see what she was capable of. And there's this excitement around next season. So what can you say about how the team is feeling about all of these weapons you guys have on this team and what next season is going to look like? Yeah, I agree with everything you said about Kalia. I think that, you know, as she got more comfortable um, in her role on this team, she definitely had a, a breakout fall series, which is great mm -hmm. to see, obviously, your teammate thriving in that way. Um, but overall, yes, like, we are a much different team, and that those kinds of things take time. And we saw that time develop from game one in Utah even to, to the end, and we continue to see the, um, us develop together on the field. And so I, I think that we have a lot to look forward to in 2021. What specifically do you feel like Rory was able to take away from both of these experiences? Um, I think just it continues to be the resilience of our team, um, despite the roster changes and who comes in and out, the culture has always been, and we always say this, you know, Chicago is a blue collar city, roll up your sleeves, work hard kind of, kind of town. And, and that's the culture we bring to our team. And I think, you know, everything that has happened throughout, throughout the challenge cup and the fall series, um, specifically talking about off the field, you know, emotional uh, things that we, we had to go through. It, it just speaks to, to the resilience of our team and the culture that we've built. Definitely. That was something I've talked a lot about this, this summer and during the fall season and in different interviews with Kalia and Danny Colaprico as well, or Danielle Colaprico. Um, just the resilience of this team, but also um, the challenges that you guys were able to overcome because of the work ethic and, and the environment that the Red Stars are known for. And I, I just think it's interesting because I don't think enough fans and I don't think enough people were talking about exactly what you guys were challenged with. And that was this constant start and stop and, and what that does to a professional athlete's body. So with that being said, you recently posted, I think like in the last couple of days, just about being happy that the 2020 season is over. Are you looking forward to a more stable 2021 season? Definitely looking forward to a more stable 2021 season. And I feel like Yes, I like posted my like end of season wrap and I'm just like, <laughs> there's no words besides like, thank God it's over. Because honestly, at this point, I am grateful to, to come out of the season healthy. Because like you said, the start and stops, the three month quarantine going directly into like a quick season, it's uh -huh. really hard on the body and, and playing on turf and traveling, you know, right. all of these things. Um, they're hard on the body. And so, so they do result in injuries, um, you know, so so I'm just grateful to be coming out of this healthy. Um, I feel like stronger on the field, stronger off the field kind of kind of way. Definitely. Um, before we wrap this part of the conversation, I need one thing that you know you're thankful for from the 2020 season, and one thing that um, challenged you more than than any other component of the game this season. Well, I'm going to start with the challenging for sure. <laughs> the because obviously there were a lot of challenges yes um, the biggest challenge was definitely definitely the leadership role that I stepped into and, and kind of having to to lead the team in a whole different way on and off the field um, it was a challenge and I 
you know, learned a lot of things about myself and, and how to lead people and how to, to find, you know, how to, how to push people, but also how to make them feel like they're doing a good job and they need to keep going and kind of like that balance. And so that was the most challenging thing, kind of figuring out the balance in, in that leadership role. Mm -hmm. Um, and a happy takeaway. What am I, man, I, (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to pull away, uh, gratitude. Sometimes it's hard to, (laughs) hard to find that thing you're thankful for sometimes. Yeah. I I would say, I would say that I feel as though, you know, no matter what comes my way and our way in a season or even in life, you know, uh, we're going to get through it. You know, we're, we're going to figure it out, even if it's hard. I, I would say that's the, gr- the gratitude of the, the minute. <laughs> <laughs> the gratitude of 2020. I will say it definitely seems from an outside perspective, it solidified the Red Stars um, energy and, and um, persona of just being a very tight family unit. Transitioning now to some more pressing news. You got an invite to the U.S. Women's National Team camp the first in seven months. Um, that the U.S. Women's National Team will be back together. This is super significant. But my question to you is just, what does it mean to you getting this invitation? It's the second invite you've gotten, but you've never, you've also never played with the youth, youth national team. So just describe the significance in your career, what this means. Yeah, um, it's, it's all, it's an honor to be invited to the, to camp. And I'm grateful, you know, grateful that, that I'm being looked at and thought of and grateful that, you know, you put in all this work and you go through these challenging times as we just talked about it. It's, it feels great to be rewarded for that. Um, I truly appreciate that. And I just feel like my first camp was last December. It was more of an ID camp. So it was mostly like younger players. Mm-hmm. None of the none of the veterans were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, like you said, I had never been to a youth national team camp. I had no idea what to expect. So um, that was definitely a new experience for me. And then I think, you know, that's definitely, at least now I can go into this knowing what to expect a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's an honor to be selected. And, and as I always say, you know, my goal is to, to be the best me I can be on and off the field. And to continue to, to make strides to reach my potential. And so that's what I'm going into this camp trying to do. Definitely. And your career is, is so unique and so many people can take away from just your growth and in your career and that it doesn't always, not everyone's journey to success looks the same. And so I just wonder what kind of pride you have in your journey in professional soccer and what it's taken both mentally and physically for you to get to this point? Yeah, I think for a long time, I always felt like, I don't know if I was, had been at a disadvantage or like maybe I just had like a a tough road to, to be where I am. And I felt that for a long time, but now where I stand now, after everything that's happened, I just feel like my perspective has changed so much. Um, I feel like I have been so privileged and given so much access throughout my life. And, you know, maybe my story is a little bit more, you know, different or unique than, than other people in the league or on the national team. But um, I still feel as though, as, as though I, I'm grateful for all the opportunities that have been given to me, you know? Um, I don't, I don't think that, uh, like it's not like wow my life has been so hard and my road has been so hard it's actually quite the opposite I, I just feel grateful um that that I've 
am where I am and I went, you know, and, and I don't think my road was, was that much of a obstacle. Definitely. But tradition, like speaking from a more traditional standpoint in terms of players that earn these opportunities, you know, Vlako said as well in an interview recently that getting an opportunity with the U S women's national team doesn't always look the same and, and calling, uh, giving women an opportunity from the NWSL is a great way to earn an opportunity with the women's national team. So I guess I meant more so from that perspective of just the traditional way to break into the U.S. women's national team roster. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you have any kind of message or, or takeaway from your journey in that regard. Yeah, um, I think that overall, and a lot of NWSL players look at it like this, everyone's everyone's journey is different you know you don't not everyone comes out of college gets drafted you know gets selected for these things right away so yes I, I i definitely think that um my message pretty much always stays the same it's it's if you have something that you want to do you know just because you weren't picked when you were 16 or you know it did just because your journey didn't go exactly the way that you had planned doesn't mean it's not still possible for you Definitely. And I think that's what's really beautiful because it translates to any type of career, whether it's as a professional athlete or, you know, in something more traditional yeah. in any type of business. That's really a message that translates. Six Red Stars were selected. What What is it in the water? The Red Stars just are, are, are really impressing everybody. Yeah, so don't don't take into consideration our, our final results of the last game when you say that. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's awesome that such a big chunk of our team will be there. And honestly, like going into to my first camp with veterans that are gonna be there, it just feels good to have my teammates, my friends, my homies next to me. Like that's just gonna make it easier for me. Yeah, what has been some of the advice they've given you? Obviously, I know you guys are all close um, being teammates, but you and Tierna, I know, have a really special relationship as well. So what have been maybe questions you've had for them or, or advice that they've given you about um, the 10 days you, you're going to spend in Colorado? Yeah, um, I think the biggest advice is, is just be yourself and specifically on the field, you know, just, you know, your strengths, you know what you're good at, just be yourself out there and um, obviously I've asked them so many questions. <laughs> Anyone specific you want to share? You're, uh, you're, you're cool with admitting you, you had a question about this or that. I don't know. No, I, nothing, nothing that like is a unique question. Just like, what's it going to be like, what to expect, et cetera. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, just staying focused throughout the 10 days, uh, being myself on the field, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of nerves, a lot of anxiety for me, um, at times, but, uh, uh, staying true to my goals. You know, you're a mother too, and, and there are mo other mothers that um, are on the U.S. Women's National Team, but um, is he coming with you? How do you address that when you're, when you're presented an opportunity like this? Do you have to figure out um, him staying here, or, or how does that break down? Yeah, so it's always, um, you know, it, being a mom adds a whole new layer of difficulty because even when good things happen you have to figure out oh wait I still have a child like he still right. needs to be taken care of what's going to happen here um so typically uh the national team allows you to bring somebody with you and they'll provide flights and hotel accommodations meals for that like a for a nanny um I don't have anyone that I can bring with so I'm gonna he's gonna stay here in Chicago uh with family and friends and continue to do you know yes Kaden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Hey, he said, and, everybody. 
Right, exactly. But um, he's going to stay here, focus on school. And he also doesn't like the testing protocols. So probably wouldn't be the best camp for him to come to. Um, but uh, yeah, um, he, he's excited to be with family and friends. And he's excited that he knows he knows what the national team is. He's excited that I'm going to camp. He's really excited about that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Um, what kind of energy did he bring to his mom when he found out you were you were invited? He was really excited. He actually is like a secret fan. Well, not even a secret fan. He's a big fan of different players on the national team. So if he was there, he would like be in awe that they are surrounding him. <laughs> But um, yeah, he, he's really excited about it. That's great. Any any player in uh, particular that Caden's a huge fan of? Caden, who's your favorite player on the national team? Is it Lindsey Horan or Kristen <laughs> Press? Both. Lindsey Horan and Kristen Press. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shout out from Caden. We love it. Right, right. You know, Vlaco also spoke about your growth as a player. And you and I have talked in multiple interviews just what's gone into that both mentally and physically in the last couple of years. So hearing his, the fact that he's noticed your growth as a player, uh, what, what do, does that mean to you that it's being acknowledged at the highest level? And also what are your hopes in terms of proving to him that that growth is going to continue, that you obviously deserve this opportunity and it's not going to go to waste? Um, yeah, kind of like what I said before. I mean, it's great to be to be rewarded with that acknowledgement and that validation. You know, you work so hard. Uh, the the sport really is it's your entire life. You know, um, so so that does mean a lot, of course. And uh, for me, um, I feel as though what will go into proving that I want to be here or I'm going to continue to grow so I can earn a spot. Um, it's really just, I play my best. You know, we've talked about this. I play my best when I kind of just get lost in the game and, and I'm not thinking and, and, and I'm not, you know, stuck in my head or anything like that. So for me, um, I'm just going to go out there and do that. And, and that's, you know, that's pretty much what I can do at this point. Definitely. Um, but speaking of that, and, and that's absolutely true. And that's true for a lot of people when, you're just in this free space to succeed. That's when you're doing your best. What are some of your tools to reaching that mental uh, zone, you know, before practice, before games? How are you preparing your mind so that, yeah, when you step on the field, that's where your head's at? Yeah, um, obviously we've spoken about kind of, you know, how I prepare for these things mentally and, and it's, it's yoga, it's meditation, it's, you know, bringing that presence into your life um, in everyday moments. So then when you are on the field, it's easy to get into that presence. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I feel like every like few months, it's like a new stage of my life. And I'm dealing with like a new, I don't want to say barrier, but like a new mental experience that I'm, you know, learning to, to grow through. And, and those always translate on the field. And so right now for me, it's acceptance to resistance, which is like, I don't know, like a weird motto, but it, it's, something that's like an off the field thing that I, I've noticed. I'm, you know, I'm accepting, I'm letting things flow, accepting even resistance. And then I see how it translates on the field as well. And so it's just like always bringing those experiences onto the field. No, that's, that's such a great mantra. And I actually just listened to a podcast recently that talked about accepting the resistance that's put in your path 
because mm-hmm. when you like try and push back from it, you're actually causing more friction in your life. Right, like, exactly. Right, like you, even though it's like the discomfort, even though we all experience discomfort in our life, we have to flow with the discomfort because the pushback yep. creates more, you know, problems. Exactly, exactly. Uh, wow, you're yeah. on my flow. Right, my we're flow. mentally, we're clicking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but obviously, this is a great segue into hood space. And uh, I mean, we've talked about all of this before, but the key here is just to provide some more insight for our listeners, for our readers, and um, hood space. We need an update. How are things going? Uh, where are we at with Hoodspace and what what can you tell people about um, yeah how everything is going with Hoodspace? So um, the Hoodspace launch honestly it went so well like it was like overwhelmingly great mm-hmm. and um, it was I it was great to get everything out there and then after that I hit this like wall where I was actually overwhelmed and I was like had to start doing like the paperwork and the behind the scenes stuff and I'm like. <laughs> wow like it's one thing to have an idea you know and and then all of a sudden you're like wait I actually have to like fill out all these legal things but um so it it was a little pause just because trying to get all the the documents and you know all these things figured out but um in the process of planning the first event which I'm really excited about um and I am not going to say it right now (laughs) but it will be virtual and I'm putting that together right now so Awesome. Um, putting putting the first thing together hopefully within the next month that will that that news will be out there definitely that's awesome um what was the response like from young women in the chicago area once uh the launch happened did you get a lot of dms did you get a lot of messages from young girls that have aspirations similar to your own so i actually got an amazing amount of support from just you know friends acquaintances people in the industry you know brands things mm-hmm. like that, you know, people reaching out, how can I help? What can I do? And so that was, it's just great to see, you know, that level of humanity and, and people caring and want to make a difference. Um, as far as young girls reaching out that are interested, you know, that's, there of course have been some that have reached out, but it's going to be more so about finding, you know, the, the right people that aren't necessarily Red Stars fans, Sarah Gordon fans, you know, supporters in that way. And so those are the people that I really, you know, made this, made, created Hood Space to reach. It's people that probably don't even know me because, because of, of, of where they are, or what they do. And so, um, you know, we got the right, the right connects. And so that will hopefully put us in touch with them. But yeah, that's what I'm really looking for. Yeah, that's actually really beautiful. And, and I, I assume can be pretty challenging at times. So what is a, a way or, or, you know, how, how do you plan to, to reach that demographic of young women who, like you said, maybe aren't on social media, don't, ha- don't watch uh, soccer all the time. How, how do you plan to reach those young women? You know, some of it will definitely be um, having friends in, in these different communities who I think can can lead me to the right people. And then other, other, another way going about it is obviously CPS is, my son is in CPS, it's, it's huge. And so the, you know, that will be a, a good connect to get to yeah. the right people as well, um, you know, things like that. And so I, I'm not concerned at all. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it, but uh, yeah, obviously like a huge part of this whole thing is getting the right girls involved. 
Absolutely. And I assume that'll be a bigger focus for you once you get through this camp and truly reach kind of a place of an off season, quote unquote, off season. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like, so obviously camp is number one focus right now. And then I'm going to take probably a little bit of a mental break, like a few days off uh, to just decompress. And then we're going to hit it hard. Mental breaks are important. Mental breaks are very important. <laughs> um, before I let you go, I need to know, you know, the election is coming up. I think it's important for all of us to talk about these things, um, use our platforms to talk about these things. So what are your voting plans? Are you voting by mail? Are you voting in person? Have you already voted? What's your, what's your voting plan like? So I'm voting by mail. I just got my ballot yesterday. So I will be getting that all in by the end of the week. Um, so yeah, we're, we're gonna get this thing done. So yes, everyone needs to vote. We gotta vote. <laughs> get out and vote. Um, any tools that you've been using just to uh, better acclimate yourself to the candidates? Obviously, um, you know, our candidates yeah. for president are, we don't have any problem understanding who these two people are, but um, what about the more local <laughs> positions? How, how do you get yourself yeah. acclimated to who these people are? So um, I have been in touch with Chicago Votes. They are an amazing organization. Um, we got voter education for our whole team and that was to get acclimated with candidates on the more local level, judges, um, district attorneys, their, their roles, their positions, what they do. And then Chicago Votes also made a voter guide so you can see the different candidates what they do, you know, et cetera. Um, they're honestly have been so great and helpful um, and, you know, organized this whole voter education for the team right after I called them and asked them for help. So they're a great guide. Um, but as far as judges, there are so many, it's actually going to take straight up research. It's right. like kind of a headache, but uh, it's so necessary because it's like, thinking about like the district attorney and how they prosecute people for crimes on, on a local level and you know everything that has been brought to light in on systemic racism like people need to know how important this is because if you're prosecuting crimes you know that means you're in these communities of color and you are having a hand in and who goes to jail etc so right. uh, all of all of these local uh, elections are so so important and everyone needs to do the research if you're in Chicago Chicago votes has a, a voter guide which is super helpful definitely I think that's really important as well and and just speaking from my past voting experience um the candidates for president were always top priority and I paid right little attention to um our local candidates which in fact is extremely problematic because these are the people that are affecting our daily lives and our communities and, and our people and friends and you know peers around us. So uh, exactly. understanding your, yeah, your local elections is very important. We too at the Chicago Sun-Times have voter guides. So anybody that needs some information, head to Chicago Vote or Chicago Sun-Times. We've got you covered. Lastly, Sarah, um, this is just a question that I'm, I'm going to be asking all of my guests that come on this podcast. What is your hope for the next generation of women in sports, out of sports? What do you hope our next generation has? Um, you know, I think that we, you know, a lot of the fight for equal pay, you know, for the, the fights against racism, a lot of these fights are in the, in the hope that, you know, the next generation 
can live at ease and not have to worry about these things. Obviously with evolution and how life works, it'll be, it'll be the next fight for them. You know, it'll be whatever's next in line. But uh, we hope that, that young girls that want to play soccer will, it'll be a full-time career. You know, <laughs> their family won't laugh at them when they say they want to be a professional soccer player. Right. So, so just the hope that, you know, for my son, that, that he won't have to be fighting or dealing with these things as he grows up and becomes older and that they can live at ease. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great answer and, and a great piece of advice. And I think that's the hope for all of us is that the next generation has it better. Um, they certainly deserve better. So Sarah, thank you exactly. so much for joining me. I appreciate your time as always. And we'll, I'm sure, talk to you soon. But if I don't, before you had to camp, good luck and keep a peaceful mindset out there. <laughs> all right, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs>